Hey everybody, this is Jimmy's Table Podcast, jimmystable.com. I am your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Today is episode 18, where I would like to talk about Jesus and the soccer moms. And that might be kind of an unusual <laughs> combination there, you might think. Uh, and you could be like, whoa, what do you possibly... Uh, know about Jesus and soccer moms being that well you or neither and I don't know I guess I just needed a catchy title at the end of the day maybe to get some of you to click on this podcast and listen to it so maybe that's why I ultimately chose it however the the title I've ultimately picked for today's show about Jesus and the soccer moms comes kind of out of a long burden that I've kind of had and something that's just been itching at my soul uh, for a little while now especially in light of the kind of thing that has rocked the evangelical world this past week with Josh Harris, who not only a couple of weeks ago announced his divorce from separation and divorce from his wife, um, but has, uh, as of this past week, um, announced that he is no longer considering himself a Christian. Well, if you don't know who Josh Harris is, Josh Harris has been kind of a something of an evangelical celebrity. Um, he's had a big impact on millions of people, and he's most famously known for his books that he published a little over 20-some-odd years ago about uh, dating and courtship. Uh, most famously, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and his sequent, the subsequent uh, sequel to that, uh, which was uh, Boy Meets Girl. Uh, and it was all about how God could write your love story, um, and that if you just followed all these simple, wonderful rules um, that he and others had kind of formulated about to how to have a pure relationship uh, with Jesus and a pure relationship with individuals of the opposite sex, uh, that if you not only follow these rules, um, they would produce in your life a wonderful blessing, and that God, you know, who's just itching on the the sidelines to uh, wrap your story up as if it's this wonderful uh, sort of romance novel that if you just followed these rules uh, and these regulations and uh, engaged in these purity rituals um, that God would grant you the man or woman of your dreams and that you'd be blissfully and wonderfully married for the rest of your life uh, and things would just go grand and glorious. So Josh Harris gained quite a following for these books, especially, you know, all the uh, parents out there who are just wor worried about not only the, the sexual past they may have had as, as adolescents, but uh, the sex-saturated culture in which uh, they were raising their children. And books like that about 20 years ago were pretty popular, and they circulated. They weren't without controversy, of course, but uh, for all the faults with people might have found with the books, they were ultimately embraced and celebrated um, as an answer to the hippies uh, and the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. Um, and from a you know distinctly Christian perspective. So for Josh Harris, who you know gained a lot of notoriety for these books, even though he kind of you know over the years has said, hey, you know maybe some of the things I said back then weren't so kosher after all, uh, and you know maybe you should take what I said with a grain of salt. Um, you know he kind of started distancing himself from those books, and uh, now we see after all these years that uh, Josh Harris has 
ultimately decided to abandon his evangelical Christian faith altogether. Um, and, you know, being that he's been something of a rock star in the evangelical world for the past uh, few decades, um, this comes quite as a shock uh, to many, especially many like myself who, you know, embraced a good bit, not everything, but a good bit of uh, things that kind of Josh Harris said, even if I ultimately kind of rejected uh, his methodologies and some of his conclusions and practices, I thought even those books, uh, for as wrong as they have may have been on some issues, uh, were the spirit of them was spot on. Um, and I embraced those things and practiced those things. And, uh, you know, so much so that, uh, you know, my wife was the first person I was ever with, you know, sort of thing. I, I maintained my virginity. Uh, up until marriage and, uh, you know, 30 some odd years of whatever that was. <laughs> uh, we got married in uh, uh, 2013. So I was born in 1982. So you do the math. Um, anyway, uh, so I wanted to, to kind of paint that as a backstory because, you know, Josh Harris, he was a huge giant of the evangelical faith uh, here in America in recent years. Um, but, you know, he's not the only individual who has kind of, we've seen an evangelical uh, subculture who's been something of a celebrity in the church that has all of a sudden fallen away um, or just had a major short circuit of some sort. Uh, it's, it's kind of something that's been snowballing uh, in the past decade, uh, and really in the last couple years especially. Um, but, uh, you know, in the last couple years, we've not only seen Josh Harris, you know, kind of fall away from the faith. We've also seen Bill Hybels, Perry Noble, Mark Driscoll, uh, and even institutions like uh, Moody Bible College up in Chicago, um, who are people who have been considered evangelical superstars, major leaders of our faith, major leaders of our those who run in our circles. And, you know, to see these guys crumbling has been something of a huge story and I suspect, uh, and I believe with all my heart, that uh, we're going to continue to see this continue to happen. Uh, not only is it just, you know, it's, and I don't think it's by accident. I think it's really uh, a product of much of what we have as evangelical Christians embraced as our mentality here in America over the past few decades. Um, and I think that we'll will show that the foundation that we have ultimately built ourselves on is as much as we would claim to be built on the Word of God and, and Jesus Christ is really ultimately revealing itself to have been uh, an evangelical house built on sand. And I think we're starting to see that sand shift and just as Jesus prophesied in his own parables on the subject uh, we are seeing that all those who do not build their house on the rock are ultimately those who are uh, doomed to crash and uh, be destroyed when all is said and done. Um, so, you know, I just want to kind of put this out here as uh, a disclaimer. You know, this, 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 this podcast has been one that's been kind of in the making in my heart for a number of years. 
and things I've kind of been keeping bottled up, so it might come across a little jeremiah at times, and it might be a little, maybe even unnecessarily rough and pointed, um, but that's okay. I have some things I want to say, and I think, um, even though, you know, I, over the years I've been a little rough uh, with the church at times, sometimes even hypocritical in my stances regarding some things regarding the church um, and uh, have acted maybe in a way that I should not and had have had unhealthy attitudes uh, about some things I've seen in the church. I think that even for those things that my opinion on the matter, even if my attitudes were a little uh, immature to say the least, I think my analysis was still right and is in many ways still right today. Uh, so I just want to share some things and get some things off on my heart today. Um, and I'm just going to put it all out there. I'm just going to put it all there and let the chips fall where they may. And you know, I want to make it clear here. What I'm getting ready to say, I say as somebody who has been personally deeply invested in the church and the gospel in Jesus Christ over the last decades. I've, uh, you know, really put my life out there um, for the sake of Jesus and the gospel in many ways. Um, I've been fully invested. I've put much time, much effort, much of my personal finances uh, out there as well. Um, you know, I, I don't say this as some sort of outsider, um, but I say this as somebody who went to Bible college and seminary. I say this as somebody who's been heavily involved in ministry at whatever church I have been involved with over the years. I say this as somebody who is fully invested even now in the life and the ministry of the church. I say this as somebody who is not an outsider or ivory tower sort of guy. Um, but I say this as somebody who has family and friends in ministry, who went to Bible college and seminary and know a lot of people uh, in professional ministry and um, you know, has, <laughs> has been involved in so many ways over the years in, in these things. I've, I've seldom been paid for it, and that's okay. Um, I, I, I'm not a professional by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I say this you know, simply as one who is a part of the Church of Jesus Christ speaking to the Church of Jesus Christ. Like Je uh, Jeremiah or Ezekiel, I consider myself among the exiles of Israel and Judah. Um, who, you know, for whatever direction the evangelical church that I consider myself a part of may ultimately go. Um, I consider myself as ultimately going with them, uh, not as somebody who's just like there to, you know, beat on them and uh, rattle some cages and step on some toes. But I, I truly consider myself, um, if, I, if I were to put myself in anything, as uh, just among the people, uh, a shepherd among the people. Uh, somebody who is caring and concerned about the exiles of Israel and Judah, and that's somebody who's just beating up on them for the sake of beating up on them because I have a podcast and an internet website and can do those sort of things. Um, but as somebody who lives, breathes, works, uh, and eats and dwells among all the people of the Church of Jesus Christ today in America. At the end of the day, I love the church, and I consider myself on the same journey as the rest of you. Um, and I want to make it clear that I absolutely love the church. I, I love her, I believe, with uh, something of the heart. 
of Jesus Christ. I'm jealous for her. I want to see her prosper. I want to see her do well. I want to see her be the very thing that God has ultimately called the church, uh, not only in all the world, but the church in America to be. And I want to participate uh, in all the good and all the bad that is the church of Jesus Christ in America today. So first, I just want to say Jesus and the soccer moms. You know, I think there's a lot of good and a lot of well-intentioned things that we engage in as the church. You know, we see the importance that the church has placed on the family over the years. And, and there's something biblical about that, both in Old and New Testaments. But I think our obsession and love with the family new unit, the nuclear family unit to be specific, um, is something that has perverted our understanding of the gospel and what it's supposed to be and what the church is supposed to look like. I believe the church has, as, as a result of uh, buying into the American dream and uh, our, our culture at large and, and everything that is wonderful and great about America, has as a result kind of distorted the gospel so as to turn the gospel into this thing that is fit for Jesus and soccer moms. It becomes something where the gospel is in church lives and breathes and dies based off the emotional well-being of uh, the soccer mom and, and all that the soccer mom, soccer mom represents. It's created a sort of idolatry of the family unit. Um, it, it, it strives to make a uh, homogenous sort of church that does nothing but help folks keep the American dream alive and to pander to all their emotional distortions and hang-ups and self-help guru type issues. And you know what I mean. You see this all the time with the, the cute little women's getaways. You see this in the, the nonsense that preachers like Stephen Furtick uh, engage in on a, on a regular basis or T.D. Jakes, or, or Joel Osteen. You see this. See, soccer moms are so stressed and frazzled over trying to have it all and trying to raise great kids who gr grow up to one day be great American citizens who, who you know, are Christians too, but, uh, you know, they're fully baptized in the church, but they're also fully baptized in American culture and ways of living so that, you know, we want them to have Jesus. We want them to go to heaven when they die. We want them to be good, responsible citizens uh, who grow up and pay their taxes and never, never ruffle any feathers, who can grow up and um, be middle class, upper middle class, or, or even rich, who can go to the greatest schools and who can reproduce and have the next nuclear family that uh, we want them to have just like we have uh, so that they can have a better life than we ever imagined that we could have. Uh, that's that's the the mindset and philosophy and uh, uh, attitude that I'm I'm sort of addressing here today, and, and I just want to say straight here that that Jesus, if, if if this is you and if you think this is what the church and the gospel is ultimately supposed to do, um, Jesus has nothing that he can offer soccer moms. So if you're stressed and frazzled and busy and just wondering how you're going to keep it all together and how you're going to look pretty for your husband and be able to have dates and, and live this wonderful middle-class uh, dream and so you can raise your 3.5 children to, to be a wonderful, outstanding American citizens and contributing to the betterment of the world, 
um, and so that you it, it can feel like the Waltons and it can feel like Wall Street and and it can feel like everything in between. Um, Jesus has nothing to say to you as as a soccer mom, if if that's what you think. And the only thing Jesus would have to say to you is is to repent. That uh, he can't help you out though with all the things you're trying to help yourself out with. Uh, he has no message to offer you on how to make your life better or smoother or uh, happier or healthier or, or you know, how you can better raise your kids and how you can better have a marriage and how you can better have this and better have that. No, 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 no. If you're looking for Jesus just to make your life smoother so you can be a better Jesus-loving soccer mom, as well-intentioned as you may be, your perspective isn't anywhere close to that of Jesus Christ or what the gospel offers. You want the Jesus that you can wear on a t-shirt, not the Jesus that hangs on a cross and threatens the very structures of our capitalistic nuclear American family uh, that just so happens to be Christian. So that's uh, some pretty heavy stuff there, but uh, I'm not done. I, I hope you can hope you can take it a little more. Second thing I kind of want to talk about in this context of Jesus and the soccer moms is uh, our churches. We've become intoxicated by wealth, politics, power, corporate America. Let's be real. Let's be real, even here in the Bible Belt in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where, where I live and dwell and work and uh, have my being. Um, but our churches, they, they're really nothing more than country clubs and family fun centers at the end of the day. And, and why wouldn't they be? Because they're, they're doing nothing but cater to uh, the soccer mom crowd. They have no message for any body else real community is dying in spite of all of our small groups and women's bible studies and our churches resemble more of music clubs bars and coffee houses and even tv game shows <laughs> with all the light strobes and fog machines and offerings and things that we give people the opportunity to ultimately participate in our gospel and our churches have been become merely that of a commodity of something that we sell and our churches are seldom the places that you go to belong to an alternative community of saints who exist for no other purpose other tent other than to worship jesus and to equip the saints to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Uh, instead, they've become little places that we, we check out and we see if the church has all of our favorite programs and offerings and, you know, that they have all the important things that make uh, living uh, that middle-class soccer mom dream possible uh, to help us with all of our hang-ups, to help us, you know, find our purpose and uh, help us be all that we could be uh, for Uncle Sam <laughs> in this world. We have become a place where we seldom gather 
for a common meal. Um, and our ministers, at the end of the day, are individuals who end up being nothing but mere professional. They may be the most well-intentioned um, individuals that, that you may have. They, they enter in with pure intent and they want to serve the church of Jesus Christ. But in the end of the day, they also are individuals who are full of ambition, who desire to build religious empires. And they hop from one church gig to the next, and they try to climb the corporate ladder in search of platforms that allow them access to power and prestige and notoriety and things by which they might be seen and things by which they may be heard and maybe along the way making a few dollars. So church planners, <laughs> you know, I, I've known a few over the years, and, and they flock to areas like Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, because not only is Charlotte, North Carolina, a growing area, it's a banking community, and there's a lot of, uh, well, you know, somewhat wealthy soccer mom types to try and minister to so that the pastor can have, you know, not only Jesus, but, a, you know, the comfortable, cushy corporate uh, pastor gig that he's always longed for. Um, but it reminds me how, like, in uh, my travels over the country over the years uh, because of my uh, occupation, how I've been to places in the country um, where I can drive 10, 20, 30 miles down main town uh, highways and not see a single church dotting those landscapes. Yet, where I live uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where homes, you know, typically have uh, ranges starting at three hundred to you know six hundred thousand uh, dollars, where everybody works for the bank or the energy company or or some like slick marketing firm, or they're a lawyer or they're a doctor uh, or you know something else <laughs> of that nature. Uh, we see where uh, our ministers are becoming individuals who you know ultimately seek out uh, these pretty sweet ministry gigs around here and they come from all over the country to to run our churches and to build their religious empires uh there is no shortage of large affluent churches that you can belong to uh where i live and uh i think it's kind of sad i think it's kind of sad because it seems like you know just as 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 a church we you know, we've become so much like the world is that, you know, well, we sit around and say we have a position open and we need to fill it. So we need to start looking outside of our community. We need to get somebody to come from hundreds and thousands of miles away who has no vested interest in the area in which we live and knows nothing of the people in which uh, we, he may eventually serve or lead. Um, and we, we hire that individual to come in and to be our minister. Um, but you know what? They, they, they come pretty... Uh, pretty gladly uh, and there's no shortage of individuals who will apply uh, for such jobs because of all the the opportunities uh, that it will afford them to to love Jesus and to love America and to love wealth and to build platforms of prestige um, and not uh, have to to suffer in places like Maine or Nowheresville Arkansas or Oregon or you know what have you um, to where there's little to no challenges and where Christians float around from one church to the next and uh, search for the next great 
thing uh, that they can participate and plug into their lives. And as a result, <laughs> we end up building these, these great and big churches. And you know, I have nothing against big churches per se. The last several churches that I've been in have uh, been of relatively large sizes. They have pretty good staff sizes. And you know, some of the people that I've known at these churches, they've been great lovers and followers of Jesus. And they inspire me to want to be a great lover and follower of Jesus too. Um, but you know, seldom do I see uh, us for all of our, you know, great Jesus loving that we do here in the Bible Belt. <laughs> seldom do I see uh, churches that raise up the next generation of ministers from in their midst. And the reason that we fail to raise up the next generation of ministers in our midst who who become the next next elders and pastors and deacons and uh, uh, lead various leaders. Um, is because, well, our churches really haven't centered around truly equipping the saints and making disciples who make disciples. Uh, instead, they've become these, these great passive entertainment, family fun, clubhouse type places. They're places where we can go enjoy all the entertainment and trappings that come with a Jesus-saturated American uh, culture. Um, but they never become... Uh, the, the, the communities of anything that we see uh, resembling anything in the New Testament or really um, Christianity and most of the rest of the world. Uh, we, we become passive spectators who, who by and large just look at the back of other people's heads as the professionals on stage perform the show for us just like we pay them to do and they have become fundamentally individuals who are no different than the individuals who we outsource to cut our lawns to paint our houses and uh, do and take care of uh, our specialty needs like you know a mechanic to fix our car or any other contractor that we may hire and you know what as soon as that uh, contractor that pastor that leader uh, is done either as a result of us being done with them or them being done with us. Uh, just as they pack their bags to come here, uh, they pack their bags and they leave. And they leave because they too are on search for the next great thing for their lives. Uh, and they're no different than us in that regard. Um, and they're not truly part of our communities. They're, they stand almost just as the, the, the trained monkey who performs for us as we need them to do. And you know, that that's tough to say because I love these people and I connect with these people and I see them come and I see them go and I love them and they're coming and they're going, but I feel for all of their coming and their going, they never truly become parts of our community. They never truly become as invested as they should. Uh, and they are just individuals who we hire and fire at will. Um, as if they were individuals just working in corporate America uh, to be swapped out um, like any other employee. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're okay with that because we don't really want to be 
invested as a church of making disciples who make disciples who raise up the next generation of leaders and servants who in turn raise up the next generation of servants and leaders who pass on the faith once and for all handed down to the saints um instead they all of that just becomes something that we we participate in in our search of wealth politics power prestige and living our best life now as busy soccer moms and dads and to some degree you know you might see a little protest out of some of these leaders and you may see some of these leaders and these ministers um you know try to change that culture a little bit because they recognize it's a problem uh and they too you know they they, they have genuine sincere um beliefs and desires to serve the lord and to please the lord and to serve the church and to love the church um but you know some of them also come with uh you know their ambitions and they they want to be that leader they want to be that boss uh they want to be that managing guru that ceo type figure who runs and uh, builds the religious empire that uh ultimately centers around them so that they can be the one large and in charge uh, and calling all the shots and uh, you know for some of those men that we allow to do that for some of those men who come from the outside in to you know plant churches in our communities or individuals who we hire to uh, to run our current churches some of them see some of that success um, and uh, they eat it up and they give us ultimately what we want um, because what we want is, uh, you know, something that's going to help them fulfill those ambitions that they have, that they have no outlet for outside of the church, lest they should go get <laughs> secular employment. But having a sense of calling and feeling a burden, um, they go ahead and try to channel those ambitions and desires uh, into the church. Um, and you know what? If they can benefit for it along the time and baptize it in the name of Jesus... They will, and we're more than happy to have them do it um, because uh, we don't really want a, a community of Christ followers making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Um, we want the trained professionals, and they're willing to be those trained professionals for us. And third... Not only have we distorted the gospel into this kind of soccer mom sort of thing, but we've also turned uh, the gospel in our churches um, into these little communities, not of the faithful who are just interested in following Jesus, but more so people who are interested in participating in schemes and formulas. People just want to punch their ticket and get to heaven they just want to have a nice family, uh, and we're more than happy to to engage in a little syncretic behavior by which we distort the gospel in order to bend to the needs and beliefs and desires of our culture. Um, so we can make a much a big ado about doctrines like justification by faith. And preach it as if it were the gospel and just say, if you just accept Jesus in your heart and pray this prayer, 
uh, then you will be okay for all eternity. And once you've done that, uh, well, you can pretty much live any way you want. Uh, your, your actions and attitudes can be that of our dominant culture. Um, and so long as you ascribe to these certain theories and basic beliefs uh, on theories of atonement, um, you know, as, soon as, as long as you go along with that, we'll go along with you and make it possible for you to have Jesus to go to heaven uh, and have your best life now. And I've seen this, you know, you see this, I think, as, especially as someone who lives in the Bible Belt and surrounded by a bunch of uh, largely Baptist uh, churches who believe in once saved, always saved uh, sort of thing, you know. Even if that theology is 100% correct, and I believe maybe perhaps a lot of that theology, or, you know, maybe I don't believe all of it. Uh, I don't personally ascribe to uh, 100% of the uh, notion of once saved, always saved, or predestination of the saints, and uh, all that sort of stuff. I, I'm a little more Arminian uh, in my theology. But, you know, even if I ascribe to that belief um, 100%, I find that belief pretty repugnant even if it is a hundred percent theologically correct in theory um because ultimately the gospel is not about how you can get to heaven when you die or how you can live your best life now the gospel is ultimately a story centered around jesus christ who was crucified for our sins died and came back to life and our salvation is not determined on whether or not we 100% believe a certain scheme regarding how the mechanics of all that worked out. Um, but our salvation is dependent upon the belief that not only did all that happen, but that our belief in those things ultimately flipped our world upside down and reoriented our lives so as to make our prior life in this world as something that no longer appeals to us or captivates our hearts and our minds. That world should be dead to us, and we should consider ourselves, as Paul said, as crucified unto the world. Um, and why is that? Because we ultimately, as Christians, believe we live in a world in which Jesus Christ is Lord, and not Caesar, and not Donald Trump, and not our boss, and not our spouse, and not our children, or our American dream and the family unit. To hell, I say, with such doctrines and such nonsense. Um, I have no interest in being and getting along with individuals who just want to go to heaven when they die and to live merely their best life now. Rather, I am, however, interested in following Jesus Christ as my Lord, who died for me, who loved me, who gave himself up for me, that and the entire world, and coming together um, as a believer in that with those who are also interested in doing the same. I simply don't have any time for the rest of it. Our lives are too short um, to, to be individuals who, who think Jesus is here to make us better soccer moms and all that goes with that. Yes, of course, I am interested in going to heaven when I die, and I am interested in my bodily resurrection uh, that Jesus promises all those who follow him. 
Um, but you know, in my heart of hearts, um, I want to be part of a community that's simply interested in following Jesus and isn't interested in catering to the needs and whims of the soccer mom crowd and their fake gospel and their self-help guru emotional hangups and needs. Um, because Jesus doesn't have anything to say to that. And there is no community that we as a church can ultimately build around that that has anything to do with Jesus. And any time we attempt to, to do that, we engage in nothing but mere distractions that take us away from Christ and our calling and our purpose as a church. So if your interest is merely in punching the card of the train ticket that's going to get you to heaven when you die, and so that you can say a prayer and have it all wrapped up in a neat, nice little bow, um, and then maybe just hanging out with some of the people who are also punching that same ticket and getting on that same train, you know, I have no interest in, <laughs> I have no interest whatsoever um, in what you're about. Um, and I have no time to engage in such nonsense um, and to hang out with people who want to live any damned way that they want to, all because they think they said the right prayer once in their lifetime as a little boy or a little girl, um, and that they you know occasionally show up and throw uh, some time and effort and money into Jesus and the life. Of the church. Instead, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus who believes that Jesus Christ was crucified for my sins and came back to life after three days and lives right now as Lord of heaven and earth, I am an individual who clings onto the hope that Jesus is alive and is ushering in the kingdom of heaven, which and is building a new heavens and a building a new earth, and that he is making all this, of which I consider myself a citizen ultimately of his kingdom, and I want all to, inv to invite all to ultimately participate in that life of a community that loves and worships God, loves our neighbors, and loves those even who we would consider our mortal enemies. In, in such a community, there is no room for our middle-class country club religion uh, where you sacrificially <laughs> love those who we consider strangers and our natural enemies. Soccer moms have no time for such things for it is far too risky for their nuclear family unit and all the American dream that they so cling to and hold dear and love more than Jesus Christ himself. And I believe ultimately at the end of the day, so long as we are a church in America that chases the American dreams and tries to make Jesus uh, palatable for the soccer mom and her comings and goings in life and all the aspirations and things that she hopes for her family and her children and her progeny and all that sort of stuff, I believe that we will continue to see um, the crumbling of the evangelical uh, celebrity culture uh, and things of that nature that we've been building over the past few decades. Uh, and it is no surprise that we are seeing the rise of the nuns uh, 
in our American um, society um, because the people that we are raising up today ultimately see all this Jesus soccer mom stuff and they realize that <laughs> it's a bunch of crap and it has nothing to do with Jesus and the Bible and the, the alternative uh, community that he is ultimately building and supposed to offer the world. That Jesus has nothing to offer those going through divorce. That Jesus has nothing to offer those who have unusual sexual desires. That Jesus has nothing to offer those who are drowning in um, just everything that is America. Uh, it has not, that Jesus has nothing to offer our politics. That Jesus has nothing to offer the homeless. That Jesus has nothing to offer those on the outside looking for um, a place to ultimately belong. Um, because it is not homogenous with the, the nice little uh, lifestyle that we want to, to live. It is something that may make us grossly uncomfortable. It is something that may make us um, not be able to fulfill all of our ambitions and desires and dreams and longings that we have um, here in America. For it is not ultimately the kingdom of God uh, that we're offering our children, and it is no surprise that our children are by and large turning their backs, um, and it is no on, on the faith that we tried to, to plug them into. And once they go to college, they disappeared uh, from the faith and have no more interest in that Jesus. Because uh, they see that Jesus is nothing more as somebody that you're trying to, to uh, help make your life a little bit easier. It is not the Jesus who could save the prostitute, save the adulterer, uh, to save uh, the criminal or the destitute. Uh, it is not the Jesus that has anything to say to the poor person. Uh, the only thing that such a Jesus can say to a poor person as such as that we have bought into is, well, just keep trying harder and one day you too may be successful. Um, that's not the kingdom of God and we have nothing as Christians to offer such a person with a gospel that is only attuned to the issues of Jesus and the soccer mom. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey. This has been my rant for today. Um, I hope you take it in heart. I've been a little pointy and uh, that's okay. I say this, all these things as somebody who's been a part of it uh, in the thick of it all. Um, and I say this as somebody who is very concerned in watching uh, the church uh, crumble. And I say this as somebody who wants to see some true, real changes, uh, not only in my uh, local church, but uh, the Church of America in general. Because I think unless we make some serious changes, we will not only lose uh, our current generation, but we will lose the next generation. And soon in America, there will scarce be a trace of anything resembling the faith of Jesus Christ and that which has once and for all been handed down to the saints for all of time. 
And maybe some of that's good. I, I welcome some of that crumbling. I think some of it needs to fall because I think much of it has been a house of cards built on shifting sand instead of a faith that is precious and that can endure the fiery trials of the things that are still yet to come and the faith that can endure um, and can be handed down uh, from one generation to the next, a faith that is ultimately built on the rock of Jesus Christ himself. Because um, frankly, so much of what we've been building has been built on celebrity and personality and power and prestige and all sorts of other shifty, fake, false foundations. And we need to change. We need to change. I need to change. <laughs> Don't think I'm just beating up on people. I, I, I'm preaching to myself in this today. And that's my thoughts. I'm not going to try to say anything other, more other than, hey, this is Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com. Check out the website. Reach me at Facebook, Twitter. Email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. Uh, if you know me in real life, let's get some coffee. Let's get something to eat. Let's build some uh, real, authentic, Christ-like community uh, in the midst of where we're at today.